Hey folks, thank you for becoming a member of Cafe Insider. In addition to the new Cafe Insider podcast, we're sharing bonus material from my interviews on Stay Tuned with Preet. This is exclusively for you. Hope you enjoy it. We're coming up towards the end of our time, and I'd like to ask a certain question. And that is, is there been a piece of advice that you have gotten in your lifetime, early, middle of your career, that you have relied on and you think is worthwhile for other people to hear? I have a facetious answer to that question, which is... Um, okay, well, you can, you can give the facetious, and then we, want the, then we want the real one, not just the bollocks answer, sir. The bollocks facetious answer is um, uh, always follow an underperformer in whatever job <laughs> you're going into. <laughs> Um, yes. And try and be succeeded by an underperformer as well. Um, that's a facetious answer. That's not completely facetious. You, you, there's some truth in that from what I can tell from your voice. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I promise you there's not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now look up your predecessors and successors in all of your jobs when we get off. Wonderful people, all of them. <laughs> um, high performers. Um, I would um, I have a fairly bland, but I think a very wise answer to that, um, which is um, always listen. And uh, I think, you know, this is something I have to keep reminding myself because when you get into the commentary side of journalism you get used to talking and then you wake up every now and then usually it's there for the, in, during the night with the imposter syndrome thinking why on earth should anybody listen to me and the answer that I always come to and I think this applies to many fields is the only reason it's worth listening to me is if I listen to other people and listening the more I listen the more I keep quiet the more I learn the more I talk so you've, you've been very bad for me Preet um, uh, <laughs> you've been very, the last hour has been uh, a disaster for my um, for my persona but the more I listen um, the better I am listen um, go talk to people and listen yeah, no, I think that's great advice. One more thing that we didn't talk about in your career, and you've had all these amazing things that you've been able to do, and you've written three books, but you also served for a time as a speechwriter in the Clinton administration, correct? That's correct, yes. What was that experience like, and how was that kind of writing different from writing in your own voice? Uh, it was extremely different. I mean, this was the Treasury Secretary, um, Larry Summers. Um, you're, you know, used as a writer to writing your own stuff, and it's kind of a lone, well, not lonely. It's solipsistic. You know, it's you. You're accountable to yourself. We're going to need a lot. Everyone's going to need a dictionary to follow along this episode. Yes, solipsistic. I'm sorry. I'm not introducing that word into my vocabulary. I refuse. Bollocks, solipsism. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's quite a you know solit solitary solitary activity, um, and when you're a speechwriter, you know, in a big government department you are basically writing by committee. And the key to being a speechwriter, though, for anybody, whether they're heading the Treasury Department or, you know, they're, they're a lone ranger out there, is to know the person you're writing speeches for. And Larry Summers is a very brilliant man. I don't have his brain power, so I'd find it quite hard to sort of anticipate what he thought I would just instantly understand. Did you ever hope that Larry Summers would deliver your speeches in a British accent? <laughs> um, I can't imagine Larry talking in a British accent. It's almost inconceivable. <laughs> I used to sit and listen to him give the speeches, and I'd, what I'd do is I'd take notes of where he completely ignored what was in the text. And so more and more, I'd just try and get his voice. So, you know, as a writer, you're, you're fond of your own byline, and you're, you're a little bit egotistical, um, or maybe rampantly egotistical. Um, as a speechwriter, you have to subliminate your ego. It's another person's voice that you're writing in. So it's a very different skill. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't technically a speechwriter, but when I was on the committee staff for Senator Schumer, 
on issues that related to the things that were in my portfolio, I would write speeches for him. And I realized over time that, as, as you point out, that I wasn't doing it right because I thought, well, I'm going to sit and write a brilliant speech with lots of balanced phrases and the things that I think are worth saying, but they weren't necessarily in his voice. And, you know, people like that, like Larry Summers and, and Senator Schumer and I presume uh, presidents, you know, they have a, a fairly decent idea of what they want to say about some policy issue, but they just don't have the time to write it down. That's why they have staff. That's why they have speechwriters who who help them with those things. And they like to hear their own words back at them. So I, I, I developed this, which it sounds like you did also, uh, every time the senator would speak about something that related to the issue that I had to draft a speech for, I would write down as fast as possible all the things he, were, he was saying. And lo and behold, when I did a good job at that and got down how he was talking about it off the cuff from behind the desk about the themes he wanted to hit, rather than think, oh, well, I'll just sort of absorb this and then put this in much you know, better English later, that was the mistake. And when I, when I gave to him, you know, somewhat revised his own initial thoughts and feelings and phrasings about what he wanted to convey to the public, he always thought it was a great speech. And largely it was a great speech because it was the speech he would have written and given had he had the time. Absolutely. And it took you a while to learn that, right? But you it did. did. <laughs> it did. Um, it's one, just one sort of quick anecdote. In the Charlotte Convention in 2012, when Clinton, Obama asked Clinton to, Bill Clinton to speak for him. Um, the night before, um, the primetime night, he um, he gave this speech, and I was on the convention floor as a reporter, watching the auto queue at the back, the giant screen that he's reading off, and then listening to what he said. And it was obviously a speech approved by the Obama team, and he completely ignored it, and he gave this absolutely brilliant speech. And there are very, very few figures who can do that. The following night, Obama gave his speech, and he did not depart one iota from from the script. He was uh, he was kind of overshadowed overshadowed by that. But it was a really interesting experience watching text and listening to delivery and and measuring the vast sort of ocean between them when Bill Clinton spoke. It's a very odd thing, this idea of writing for someone else and, and, and in someone else's voice. And I suppose a speechwriter can write a better speech than the principal if the principal doesn't have a good voice or doesn't have a good writing ability. But I'll, I'll never forget the speech that Senator Schumer gave, it was during the confirmation hearings of John Roberts, that got me the most praise was this statement he made on, I think, the fourth day of the confirmation hearings, you know, 10-minute speech from his perch on the committee. And my email box was full saying, you know, you, you wrote a beautiful speech for the senator. You did a great job. It was amazing. The only problem was, I didn't write that speech. He wrote that speech. It was one of the very few. He thought it was important enough um, that even though he sent me home to write a draft, he came to the office early. It was the only time I ever saw him um, already at his desk, you know, uh, hunt and peck typing. And he wrote it beautifully because he wrote what he wanted to write because only he could know the best way to put what he wanted to say when he had the time to do it. So it's an odd thing in in modern public life when you have people writing speeches and putting words in other people's mouths if everyone had the luxury of time we would have i think a, you know maybe a closer relationship with our public figures this is the cafe insider podcast your hosts are preet barara and ann milgram the producers at pineapple street media are kat aaron jenna weiss berman and max linsky the executive producer at CAFE is Tamara Sepper, and the CAFE team is Julia Doyle, Calvin Lord, 
Vinay Basti, and Jeff Eisenman. Our music is by Andrew Dost. Thank you for being a part of the Cafe Insider community. 